Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a chilly and windy but sunny Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day. Uh, happy belated Mother's Day to all of our listeners who qualify. Especially Shannon Richardson, one of our most loyal li- listeners. Yes, um, we have many loyal listeners, and we, we, we but yeah, obviously Shannon. I mean, she's, Shannon the one I, she's the one I'm friends with. Right, Shannon's <laughs> right. right. She, and she works at the O, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, how you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very well. Happy bir- happy belated birthday. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, here. 33. On the, you share a birthday with both Willie Mays and the point god, uh, yes. Chris Paul. And uh, you, I hope, had a better day than Chris Paul did on his birthday. I was at the Democratic State <laughs> Convention, so <laughs> that's relative. Yeah. How you doing, Andrew? Very well. Very well. That's good. So <clears throat> we are doing our profile today on Pat Summit the head coach of the University of Tennessee's women's basketball team, and maybe one of the most important, I probably inarguably one of the most important women in the history of sports. No question. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's hard. Like, you can look at Venus and Serena's impact on tennis, but Pat Summit's impact on college basketball for f- women's college basketball. I mean, when she started coaching, and we'll get into this, like, wasn't it like a six-on-six six game where... Well, no, that's only in Iowa. Yeah, where like defensive no. <laughs> players couldn't cross the midcourt. It, it's five-on-five. Five. Iowa women's basketball, which we have... I actually, uh, because we had co-ed gym classes my, in fifth and sixth grade, um, we actually had to play this, where there were two players who only played defense and two players who only played offense and one player that played both. So it was a never-ending series of three-on-threes with no possibility of transition offense whatsoever because there were already two people back. It was like it was like hockey was uh, with the left-wing lock. Oh, the worst. <laughs> Where it was impossible to score. The New Jersey Devils 1995 yeah. Stanley Cup team. If I were to tell you then that by 2020 that three-on-three basketball would be an Olympic medal event, would you, would you have believed that? Could you have... Well, I... <laughs> A, three-on-three, the problem was that because I was tall but not coordinated, I always had to play on the defensive side. And so, like, I would just – I mean, it was a gym class where you just never sweat. Like, there were only two people that sweat because they had to run up and down the court. Everybody else just stood there. Um, Yeah, it wasn't great. But women's basketball, when uh, Summit takes over in 76 – is not much different than say women's softball is now, right? In terms they, of pop, national not, popularity. Not and most importantly, we're only a few years removed from Title Nine. Title Nine, you know, kind of is the impetus for everything that comes out. I mean, you know, yeah. Like I think in her first year, the title she won was like the Eastern Tennessee Collegiate Athletic Women's Foundation or something. Like they didn't even have. They didn't even have a national tournament. They just had like these regional, like women's basketball was basically in its infancy. Like it was, what four years into like she was a female basketball player. She won uh, silver in seventy six, mm-hmm. but so when she, she played, there was like almost no. She was a standout player at the University of Tennessee Martin, so not the right. actual University of Tennessee, but the state satellite. And again, she was a non-scholarship player. Both of her brothers were scholarship at, uh, scholarship basketball players. Um, well, it's seven, she, she comes in in seven. I mean, if I mean, she, she played in seventy six, she starts in seventy two. There is no title nine. Exactly. Exactly. Title nine starts in seventy two, right? I think that's the year. Yes, and this is the fiftieth anniversary uh, this year. And 
How about how how about how young she is when she takes over this program? She was twenty two. I mean, like, like, <laughs> like this, this and 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 this is what I thought was interesting was she was twenty two years old. She was originally hired as an assistant coach, and then the coach suddenly quit, probably because of the pay, which was two hundred and fifty dollars a month. She was paid, and she had to drive the van and wash the uniforms. And I was reading an article where she talked about. Uh, she played Tennessee Tech for three straight games, and they slept at the gym, uh, and didn't wash their uniforms for three straight games because they didn't have a second pair. Like this was this was what women's collegiate athletics was when she's coming into ascendance. Um, remember last year the bubble tournament? The, the Indianapolis hosted both the men's and women's tournaments last year. And this is 2021 we're talking about. And remember, the, all, the, it went viral. Just the inadequate facilities uh, that the the female players had versus the male players. Rewind 45 years. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it was. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. It, it, and we. This is a whole other conversation that we should have at some point. But Title Nine has been. It's been more effective than the Rooney Rule, but it has been equally incapable of changing the minds of the power structures that exist. And so while it is true that there are, I think, nine times the, the number of scholarship positions available for female athletes than there used to be, there are 50 times the number for male athletes than there are for female athletes because Obviously, football just sucks up so many people, but 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 it's more than that. Regardless, she is starting this sport in the wilderness. Um, yeah, there's that, no there's no blueprint for what women's college basketball looks like. There's no blueprint for how to be a coach of women's college basketball or, or how to be a dynasty. I mean, I remember Louisiana Tech mm, had yes. a team that was really good, but like they'd write about it in in Sports Illustrated like in the back, like a, a page 76 or something, or I don't remember how many pages there were, but I, I always read, I always read sports illustrated back to front mm-hmm. and um, because I liked the, the columns at the end. And um, I remember them talking about that and like the best team no one's ever heard of today. That team would be at least on television a lot. They'd have an ESPN game. Oh, sure. For yeah. sure. 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 I mean, it, I mean, you know, there'd be, Plenty of games, or at least ESPN two, and and it, and that does tie into the Pat Summit conversation because Pat Summit, when she started the Tennessee team, was immediately a very good coach. Like their their teams won, you know, right away, right away. And then when the they had the intercollegiate athletic women's conference, the IAWCIAC or something which was kind of the beginning of the NCAA tournament. But when the NCAA tournament actually started, there was a 32-team bid championship, and she would always lose to Louisiana Tech. Right. Louisiana Tech had a really good team uh, at the beginning. But I don't think it's, you know, I mean, she's often, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but she's often compared to John Wooden. Um, But everybody... I mean, there was no other way to get eyes on your program other than to play Tennessee, 
within what seven, eight years of of when she starts. Oh, she was she was she was my age yeah. when Tennessee becomes a powerhouse. Right, and it was, it was what was it eighty eighty two? Yeah, she she's again she coaches the women's team in the eighty four Olympics where they win gold. I mean, she at that point in eighty in nineteen eighty four, that is kind of a sign that she is the top female coach in all of basketball, and, and she's doing this to at have that thirty four years old. Yes. You know, 34, 35 years old, she's, young. Dom- right. she's already established herself as, like, kind of the preeminent coach of women's basketball. The, the thing that got me is, is when I was doing the research, is that 47% of her wins came against ranked teams. Teams that were current were ranked when she played them because everybody tried to play Tennessee in the way that everyone wants to play UConn is because now, I mean, you kind of recently, I mean, probably more so 10 years ago than now, but it's just that people, like, the sport didn't draw except in a couple of places, and where it really drew was Tennessee. So Tennessee played, A, a million home games, and B, always against everybody who's any good because they just play them, and that team still would go undefeated a lot. They have an enormous the 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 arena that the University of Tennessee men's and women's basketball teams play in is one of the biggest in biggest on campus sites. I think it's only behind like Rupp Arena and the Carrier Dome. It's huge. It's cavernous. The idea that Summit is responsible for you figure in the in the seventies Tennessee is it's a it's a football school right Johnny Johnny Majors yeah. coach and. They have the famous pairing in the men's team of is it Ernie Grunfeld and Bernard King. Yeah, the, the, the Ernie and Bernie show. I remember that. What Pat Summit does, the thing that we identify the University of Tennessee Athletics most with is their is their female basketball program, and that is obviously the players that Summit. But but it's be, because of Pat Summit. Pat Summit made them the the preeminent brand in women's sports. I think. Oh. Tr- 20 years before UConn For sure. oh, rose yeah. to prominence. Yeah. And, and it before, was Tennessee. And before the WNBA exists. Yeah. So if you're a female basketball player of any stature whatsoever, the only goals you can conceivably have are to win a national championship because there's nothing else. And where are you going to win a national championship? You're going to win in Tennessee. I mean, that team that won 39-0 and and just boat, boat raced everybody. Like, they just killed everybody they played and I, I don't nobody plays 39 games anymore and right? i think that's a record for the most games ever ever won and, the, and that team was called by other coaches like the best team of all time and that team what year was that we're talking about it's 90 mid, mid 90s yeah it's it's, it's, it's it's a candace parker team i think right that's la- candace no, parker's later. no it's it's a whole um, team holtz claw 96 because UCon- uconn's first was 95 they went undefeated 95 yeah, like 96, 97, Shemiko Holtzclaw, uh, one of, at the time, was probably the, you know, other than Cheryl Miller, like the greatest female player of all, uh, college player of all time. Um, and again, there's been other candidates that have risen to that level over the last 25 years. But there is, and so obviously UConn comes in 95. There is no UConn. There is no, you know, Gino Oriema. The, the dragon that they're trying to slay, the, the, the thing that Gino and that program is chasing, it's Summit in Tennessee, and from, uh, UConn breaks that ceiling in 95, but then for the next, you know, 15 plus years, I mean, UConn, Tennessee, is one of the great rivalries in all of sports, really. I mean, these annual meetings in March, late in the tournament, they used to play, I believe they played home and homes in the regular season, which is fairly unprecedented for out-of-conference teams to play home and homes, play twice during the regular season. 
Um, and they would meet in the tournament seemingly year in year every out. year like it, was, a, it seemed yeah. like it was every year if it wasn't the final four if it wasn't the regional semifinals it was the championship mm-hmm. game where they would meet and you know women's basketball probably smartly put them on opposite sides of the bracket knowing the Tennessee Yukon game is going to draw because Yukon is obviously a massively popular women's basketball team and Tennessee is a massively popular women's basketball team it was like kind of a joke when I'm first like when you first start to fill out a bracket, maybe like middle school, high school, and at that time, you you know do a women's bracket. Well, you just you just pencil in Tennessee and UConn in the title game, and it's right. kind of like this like you move backwards from there, yeah. Late '90s, early 2000s, that era. Um, and, and UConn, I I do think that you know, and obviously we're from Connecticut, so we're going to be a little UConn centric here, but I think the growth of the UConn program really brought Summit into focus because. Like, name the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. Nobody could do it because it doesn't matter because they're just pounding, you know, they're winning every game. Um, once they have a real rival, now now she comes to the focus. And, and we could talk a little bit about that relationship because they don't seem, they did not seem to actually like each other. No, I. they really seemed like they, like, genuinely didn't get along. Like, in a way that, like, in today's rivalries, especially rivalries, Jesus, I, fuck, I did it again. <laughs> um, in most rivalries where, especially in women's athletics, where there doesn't seem to be the animosity, you know, when we did the Martina, Navratilova, Kersi, everything, like, there was no animosity between them. Pat Summit and Gino really, like, she seemed to almost resent him being there, and he seemed to dislike her personally. There's a healthy mutual respect professionally, and that's it. Um, well, really. Well, well, first of all, there's no there's no warmth in those and, handshakes. There's and, no, you know. And I'll say that I, I will say this, and I've said it on the podcast before. Um, we had a, a when I was at the SVFT when I was at the tech school union, we had a member um, whose husband was a cook and died uh, and left two small children behind, and he just died had a giant brain aneurysm at like 36 years old and they've got two small kids and Ariyama like just took, took the financial and he was a cook in, in Ariyama's restaurant and Ariyama has continued as far as I know to really financially support that family. I have no shade to throw on Gino Ariyama as a human being. We have to admit he's kind of a dick sometimes. Like he, he likes to needle people. He likes to, irritate people he, he he's a dick in that way every italian kid i knew <laughs> growing up in east haven was where you're just like yeah i get it you're trying to be an asshole you're succeeding at it right but like what is but, the point but, but he's he's always kind of trying to kind of poker and there's also i think just the natural animosity that here's a sport played by women with a male coach and there are no sports played by men with female coaches, uh, head coaches, I think, anywhere. Uh, the, the Yankees just hired somebody, didn't they, in the minor leagues? In their minor league system, right. yeah. But here you have this legendary coach and this guy who doesn't, you know, has no interest in coaching men's basketball, just wants to coach women's basketball, comes up and suddenly it's like, and he just needles her about it a lot. and And she went from being... Especially, I mean, for, you know, I mean, UConn has surpassed Tennessee, mm-hmm. even during her lifetime. Not as much, but has surpassed Tennessee is the most important program in women's sports, even though 
just like Summit, kind of ended her career with a series of Final Four appearances that she did not win. I mean, UConn makes the Final Four every year, and they don't win every year. Now, I mean, since what, 16? Since Brianna Stewart left. The, the, the field is catching up. Like, like the field kind of, UConn caught up to Tennessee and passed. Now the field, uh, South Carolina, Notre, Duke, Notre Dame, Notre Dame Stanford, Stanford, for sure. Now, um, now they're recruiting. They've caught up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it used to be. Well, well, it, I think it's been like when Pat Summit, not, this doesn't, I don't think this takes anything away from Pat Summit. The way hockey being a very different sport takes nothing away from Wayne Gretzky. When Pat Summit was coming up, like there really was until UConn, very little competition. No, there was none. Like you know, and I don't think that takes anything away from her accomplishment because that was just the way women's basketball was when women's basketball started to have more competition. Like when UConn became ascendant, she still won. She still had good seasons. She was still a winning coach. But you can't dominate the field. But you can't dominate the Yeah, because, all, because, all of a sudden you go from being one, you, you know, the big fish in the small pond to being a big fish fighting other big fish. Right. You know, I mean, Bill Jane's often pointed out the argument about Babe Ruth being the greatest player who ever lived is not the fact that he hit three times as many home runs as anyone else in, in you know, when he hit 60, he hit more home runs than any other team. That's not an argument for him. That's an argument against him because it shows the just general quality of play. That as the quality of play goes up, it's harder to dominate. And what's happened is, you know, I mean, th- we talk about Wooden. I mean, she talks about Wooden a lot because she passed Wooden with 11, 11 championships. And right? she pa- no, she had eight. Uh, no, she passed. Ari- Ariama had She 11. passed Wooden on uh, Final wins. Four appearances, right. which she hit 13. And she passed him on wins when she hit 880. Right. So she passes him, and people say, well, yeah, but it's a whole different thing. No, no. Wooden had often, like, be, be, especially when freshmen couldn't play, Wooden had often 18 of the best 25 players in the country on his roster. I mean, the, the year that UCLA, uh, UCLA won the title in 70, it's be, uh, 71, I think. It's between the between the Kareem year and Walton and the Walton year. They won that. They won the title. Kareem was a freshman that year. They played the freshman senior game, and Kareem, and the freshman won by 36. They blew them out of the gym. This team that could not stay on the court with the U, with the UCLA freshman team. Then won the national title uh, with like twenty three and uh, like at twenty eight and one or something. I mean, it, because he had all the best players. That happens when there's only when there's one team so far above of everyone else. Do you think Summit Wooden is a better comparison of coaching and the records than Summit Oriema? Yes, I think that's well. Maybe you know what now Oriema now, not Oriema in ninety six where there's one team to beat. You know, 95, 96, there's one team to beat. So you try to beat that team. It's, it's, you see that in basketball sometimes where there's just two teams so much better than everybody else in, like, the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, and they just jigger their team to play that team because they know they're going to anyway. Like, yeah. at the end, it's like Boston trying to get somebody to cover Giannis, right? Because <laughs> that ultimately you got to find somebody to cover Giannis if you're going to beat the Bucs. There, without getting too deep into this, there are a lot of parallels to be drawn between you know the UCLA teams of the 60s and 70s and the Summit Tennessee teams of the 80s, 90s, and the early part of the 2000s. I don't think there's enough... And obviously Summit doesn't overlap with Wooden, but Summit 
and Oriema overlap, but they kind of like it, it's for, the, for instance, it, it's the last like, ten years of Summit's career in the first ten of Gino. Let's go like nineteen ninety Summit versus twenty ten Oriema. That's where you're getting them at. They're sort of like apexes. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like the I appreciate the wooden. Comp- you know, there's a famous. I mentioned this off air. There's a Sports Illustrated cover with Summit in 1998, and it's it's just it's it's just her face, the headline. The Wizard of Knoxville is has uh, Pat Summit overtaken John Wooden as the best coach, college coach of all time. That's a real argument. I mean, that was a that was a cover story um, in the prime of her career. You know, yeah. your thoughts on that? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I I would, you know, I mean, as I was reading and doing the research, that's the comparison always hit me. Um, except for the fact that Summit, you know, went a long time without winning at the end, making Final mm-hmm. Fours, having really good competitive teams, but not quite getting them over the hump. And obviously, Ariyama, who is probably like Ariyama's, is he is he as old now as Summit was when she retired? Probably Ariyama's yes. older. Yeah, I mean they're they're. I mean Summit retired at sixty. Yeah, let's right? let's get into the because summer. she retired at my age. Let's get into the summer retirement she's because younger than that. Uh, it is kind of a tragedy. Uh, her retirement in in a sense of you have this amazing coach who is still, you know, still kind of at her peak. Even the teams are really good. E- yeah. e- even thirty years into it, she's still kind of at the apex of women's college basketball. She's still at the apex of being. A, a tremendous coach, you know. I think Sports Illustrated ranked her, you know, the eleventh best coach of all time, men and women. Yeah, and that's too long. And she has to retire at fifty nine due to early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, and what was? And I remember. I mean, I remember. I'm sure, you remember too. We're just reading about it, and it just seemed impossible. First of all, the first thought you have is, "Wait a second, she's fifty nine? Like she's been around my entire life." I mean. In '76, when she takes over, I'm 14. I don't remember any time. I don't remember any time when Pat Summit wasn't the coach yep. of the Tennessee team. Like I just, it didn't register to me that there was ever a moment. I assume she was like 70 or something. It's like, you know, like, like some of these coaches who just coach for, like George mm. Hallis with the Bears. Nobody <laughs> remembers when he starts. It's like, right. oh my God, he's he's leaving. I thought he was just always going to be there. And even in that, in, in the in college basketball specifically, where Jim Beheim's still going in his 80s. Zhevsky just retired, 80. These guys they, these guys and women in the women's game, they coach forever. They coach well into their 70s. And, you know, Summit, at the end of her coaching run, again, they weren't, they, they, they weren't what they were, but they were still a formidable blue blood women's basketball program. If she had 15 to 20 more years, I mean... The record book is hers. She retired. Uh, you know, she retired with what one thousand thirty nine wins. Yeah, yeah, something, something 1, 000, like that. Yep. It was like one thousand thirty nine, mm-hmm. one thousand forty. Um, she she retired as the all time wins leader. Right. Um, if, if she coaches another twelve years, nobody's catching that record. And even if she's going whatever twenty five and eight and making a regional final, that's twenty five wins. It's a regional final. Like those right. are those are really good accomplishments. Right, and eight losses would still be a lot. Well, not anymore, but under Summit would have been a lot for a, for a Tennessee team. Yeah, the UConn. We talked about the UConn um, Tennessee rivalry, and I know we're going back, but that broke up under really unfortunate circumstances. Summit claims that it was because her protest against the recruiting practices of UConn, specifically on Myra Maya Moore. Was it Maya Moore? Yeah. yeah was, do, you, do you remember what that was about? I mean, they've, UConn's women's team's never been sanctioned, but they never will be sanctioned because 
You can't take. I mean, it's like this, it's like sanctioning Alabama in to, football, right? Like it's just to, not going to happen. To this day, they're still the most profitable team, yeah. in college basketball. I mean, women's college basketball. It's not. It's not close. Yeah. So I'm going to knock. I'm going to knock Summit a little bit, but I'm also going to knock the UConn men's program because this kind of thing happened in like the '90s, where UConn would play UMass every year. And once Calipari shows up to UMass, and Calipari is getting like Marcus Camby, the best player in the state of Connecticut, out of Hartford, and UMass, you know, for a couple of years there in the '90s was was better than UConn, and they beat UConn a couple of times. And Calhoun was like, "Okay, we're done with this. We're out." I'm not saying Summit. Um, I'm, I'm not saying uh, it's the same you're, thing. You're not. You're not insinuating that there might have been something certain- untoward about. <laughs> How about Camby going to the University of oh, Massachusetts well, under Calipari? That's that a, moral exemplar. That'll be like a season ten dollar <laughs> the recruitment of Marcus Camby. How he ended up at UMass. Um, but the, the, my point is that it'll be forty you, seconds long. They paid him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll yes, see you next week. Got a bill. Bradley Dollop. Summit starts to a, anytime when you're when when. When it's your kingdom, when women's college basketball is your, this is, it is, it is her territory. And that starts to be like kind of infringed upon by Gino and this Ascendant UConn team. You're not going to be as willing to continue the rivalry once you, because you've been for so long the kind of the A side, the favored side. And, you know, UConn kind of turned that seesaw a little bit in their favor. And Tennessee lost like five in a row to UConn. Like UConn beat them routinely for a couple of years. The end of Summit, I think coincides with Gino hitting that next level with the likes of Maya Moore, with the likes I mean, Tarasi, Bird, Moore, all kind of like back to back to back. The best players in the country. Were yeah. going, the best players in the country stopped going to Tennessee and started going to UConn. Bingo. Uh, and yeah. that's, and now the best players in the country go wherever. It's more spread out. Because it's more spread out because you can be on TV even if you don't go to UConn. If you, I mean, you know, for even in a decade ago. If you wanted to be on television as a women's basketball player, you better go to UConn. Tennessee was probably four or five years past their prime, but, I mean, you could go to Tennessee, but mostly they went to UConn. So, I mean, year after year, we had the number one recruit in the country. I mean, UConn did. And then they that didn't happen until Paige. Uh, Paige Bukers. Yeah. Paige Bukers. Mm-hmm. You know, they got her. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest recruit they had probably gotten in, like, five years. Right. Since Brianna Stewart, probably. Right. And, I mean – my guess would be you kind of win a national title under her, with her. I think they've got to be among a top three favorite next year. Because oh, Bukers missed a lot of this season, too, right. and you can still made the title game. They're going to come in as the number one seed I next year. I think they will, with her. and. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you are, you, know, you are correct, Andrew, in the sense of, like, UConn probably had some untoward recruiting practices uh, to get some of these athletes. I mean... The UConn's men's basketball team absolutely did. Uh, you know, I, it would be hard to say, well, the UConn men's basketball team did it, but the UConn women's basketball team didn't when they're getting the same caliber of player relative to and each they have sport. the same. They have the same athletic same director. athletic director, same probably the same it's recruiters, like, probably the same the booster boosters, club. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a little knock. It is a little knock on Summit that she kind of took her ball and went home. I don't I don't think she embraced the rivalry the same way Gino. I think I think Gino kind of like relished in it 
and I think Summit kind of like resented well, well, it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, because totally. which, which I think because is which Gino's, I think it, Gino's coming after her crown. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, He's, so yeah, mm-hmm. if you have the crown, right, which I you think don't want to yield it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I think is also a a difference among the sexes of like men are going to be more like, oh, you have something I want it, than a woman is going to be protective of uh. what she already has. I don't I know. Mean, we, I mean, we see it in boxing all the time, where guys have the championships and just duck people forever. I mean, as yeah, I mean, Mar- Marvin Hagler had to fight for like ten years as the best middleweight in the world before a guy fought him. Like, not everybody's Canelo Alvarez who will just fight anybody at any time. And to his credit, I mean, he just lost this weekend, but to his credit, he'll fight anybody at any time. He doesn't give a shit. That's not true of everybody. But Summit did. I mean, I, I mean, it was her world. And then it wasn't her world. And, yeah. and I mean, I think we see some of, I mean, Gino's gotten more prickly as he's gotten older, as we do. But there's also some of that. He likes to win titles, and now it's way harder to win titles. And Well, Gino had the crown, and all of a sudden, right. I mean, when, his crown is in jeopardy. I mean, when he, the famous comment, you know, why did you think you were going to win? And he said, because we had Tarazi, and they didn't. Um, well, now... The other team often has the Tarazi. And, yeah. you know, not not during the regular season, not until the, the Final Four. And it's also true that UConn never leaves Connecticut until the Final Four. Yes. They play in their campus, and then they play in Bridgeport. And, okay, but they're the only people that sell out. Like, they sell out every game. Like, they sell out the regional finals, and that doesn't happen in women's basketball, which is unfortunate because – it, it has, in my lifetime, that sport has, the the quality of play has increased so dramatically, so dramatically. I mean, um, the, you know, I mean, we, I just watched uh, the other day uh, um, Holt, the, the the rookie that came out, I forget where she came out of, I was watching the draft, but Holt and uh, Tashana Cloud, uh, was it Tashana Cloud, Cloud's her last name, crossed her over and she fell, and it's like, Oh, you didn't see crossover in women's basketball like that five years ago. Never mind, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, and, and it was, no, I mean, the Holt's credit, she got back up and got back in the play. And there is that. If it happened in the NBA, the guy, she would, you know, the athlete would have been buying to the rim. But still, the quality of play is so much better. It's a, it's an entertaining game. Do, do we think when we look at coaches, you know, both men and women of men and women's sports, does Pat Summit have the best legacy of any coach? To cycle back, obviously the depth of talent and the level of talent in women's college basketball has has just it just keeps it continues to rise exponentially year after year after year. And I think at the same time, the level of coaching has also risen. And you see increasingly those coaches are held are are women. There are a lot of women of color. And yep. I think without Pat Summit, I think Pat Summit's legacy was like a female coach and a female sport. Again, there's still a lot. There's a yeah. lot. There's a. It was mostly like the Louisiana Tech program was run by. That was a male coach. I forget his name offhand. But I think Summit is responsible for. I think a lot, a lot of the women that played for her. I mean, her co- assistance. Her coaching tree is 45 insane. people. Right. That's insane. Between right. ex-players and assistants, ex-players that go on to be assistants and then go on to take big jobs. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, and, and Ariamas is. Not that lot big because it's of the time, but he has a fairly big tree too. You see, I mean, I, I do think that 10 years from now, 
Gino Ariyama is going to look like an anachronism because it's yeah. you know I, I mean you're going to it's going to be hopefully I would say we may see the number of women coaching men and the number of men coaching women kind of beginning to equal out. The other thing that will help that is that Summit's son, uh, who took a coaching job, began sleeping with his point guard, and that's an issue that's problematic, uh, you know, and, and it created quite the stir. Um, yeah, her. it's tough because, like, you never want to judge, you know, no. the parents by the sin of the child. And it happened in the year, well, no, she had already died. He got no, caught was, after she already died. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He got caught after she died. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's one of those things that she's glad she missed, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> but but, it, but you, I think there is, you know, when you look at the legacy of somebody, part of the legacy of the Summit name is also her son. And do you think, like, his... God, what do you call that? Just inappropriate in, relationship? Like, that seems in, like, like in, undersell it. Indiscretion like, seems... Yeah. Indiscretion seems uh, bad. Breach, a breach of trust of the breach player. Of, coach breach of, breach of trust. Yeah. There, there we, we go. go. Right. You got it. So uh, his breach of trust. Which, which goes over well in court. Yeah. <laughs> trust is uh, very strong. But does he? Does his no. breach of trust like tarnish her legacy? No. 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 Any, any, any more than the fact that um, Gretzky's kid got the shit kicked out of him <laughs> by the Mississippi State quarterback. Uh, oh, that's Matt Corral. Matt Corral <laughs> yeah. uh, tarnishes his. No, actually, I think the legacy is going to be that more than anything is that this is going to be increasingly as a sport coached by women. And yes. when they look back at the history of the sport, she will be the one that started that. Like yes. that, that as a woman, she ended up being the, you know, she, she really, she put the sport on the map and women are going to be the, the coaches and the players to keep it. I mean, I'm the, the women are going to be the coaches to keep it there. You do see more male coaches in the WNBA, I think, mm. right? But yeah. I mean, but that'll change that's too. That's going to change. change. That's yeah. just that's just well, a matter of that's just a matter of time. Be Becky Hammond going from the Spurs to coach the WNBA said a lot about where the WNBA is going. I mean, because that did not that move surprised me. It seemed like being Popovich's chief assistant is way more important. But not to her, and I thought that that, I mean, that was one of those things I said, oh, yeah, I'm just mansplaining this to myself. And with Popovich on his way out, I mean, I, I, I don't think it would have been unreasonable before Hammond took the WNBA job that perhaps Hammond could have been named as, like, a, a successor, a coach-in-waiting. Um, it didn't happen. Listen, her Summit's legacy, and again, there's no... ESPN airs all 63 games of the NCAA Women's Tournament. Like, the, 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 the sport, the tournament has a pretty high fucking profile. And Pat Summit is one of the chief architects of that, like, ascension yes. um, of, the, uh, of, the, of the brand of women's college basketball. I, I, think it, I, think it's, I think it's absolutely fair to say women's college basketball as we know it today is not where it is if Pat Summit hadn't done what she had done. It's not. Yeah. No, because, because you got these really great women athletes showing up, playing basketball so they could play at Tennessee. Yes. And... You know, and a southern state embracing women of color, you know, just playing really brilliant basketball is is something that really matters. Um, and I do feel we miss her. I think that because she was a tough person and 
when we she see would be, she would be colloquially referred to as a broad right. and, and ES, <laughs> right, ESPN, <laughs> which credits all all of their profits in the basketball tournaments. The credit goes to the men's tournament, and the women are viewed as a deficit in an accounting trick because that's not true. Like it's not true. The women's basketball tournament is profitable. It's not as profitable as the men's, of course, but it is profitable. And they treat it like a loss leader, and the NCAA treats it like a loss leader to justify their tr- shitty treatment of women. I don't, I mean, you hear Ariama talk about it some. That's a much better argument from Pat Summit. Yes. And it's going to be a better argument from Trish Vandeveer, and it's going to be a better argument from Jen Rosati, and it's going to be a better argument from the women making it than it is from him. There's no Oriema without, unless he's chasing that white whale, that, that kingmaker summit. I mean, what's Oriema? I mean, the idea that all you are is what you're going after. What he, what he was going after, what UConn was going after was Tennessee. Yeah, they wanted, be, they wanted to be. That was the, sta- that was the standard, and that was right. what pu- Tennessee pushed Oriema to his, you know, uh, stature in the game now. Like, it's, it's because of Tennessee. And I, and I think there is a similarity in the rivalry between Oriema and Summit, that both of them, when Oriema push, pushed Summit, she started losing more and not making it as far. And Oriema, when he's getting pushed by all these new ascendant basketball teams, he's winning less. Right. That there is something that, like, you can be the king or the queen, but at some point, like, somebody's coming for your throne. And you can't keep it forever. Well, it's just it just shows a healthier sport. Yes, I mean it just shows a healthier sport that, that um, you know, when the Celtics won eleven straight titles, the NBA wasn't as healthy a sport as it is now, because you don't want a team winning eleven straight titles. It, that means that all the good players are on one team, and it's less interesting. And the, when, women's basketball now. You don't like it. the fact that UConn made you know UConn's there doesn't mean they're going to win the national title, which it did for a decade. Yep, and that's not it anymore. And I think more than any single person, college basketball, women's college basketball is is um, the you know I mean what's what's her legacy? Women's college basketball is her legacy. Yeah, it doesn't exist as a sport in the way it does now, at least for another quarter century without her. And with that, we'll say goodbye. For the Bill Bradley Collective.